Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play Podcast. Today, we're going to be breaking down Correction Sunday, one of my favorite days of the year. Uh, we're going to break down a lot of the upsets around the NFL. We're going to talk about Miami's divisional push and could the entire NFC East, if you pushed all four teams together into a tight-knit group, could you, by chance, get a Super Bowl contender out of it? We're going to break all of that down. And first, Leo, your Titans. Man, we got to start there? We're going to start there. Correction uh, Sunday. Okay. What happened? To be honest with you, the same thing that's been happening all season is just the offense has been able to kind of cover up the uh, the wounds, I guess you can say. Yeah. This defense can't get pass rush for anything. So Joe Burrow had four, four new offensive linemen on Sunday. Yeah. Four offensive linemen that aren't a part of the regular starting rotation, that aren't really pieces that they use on a regular basis. And the Titans got zero, count them, zero QB hits. They didn't even hit him. No pressures. No, no pre- pressures. He was, he was back there chilling. Yeah. He was he was sending texts before he, he threw the <laughs> ball. He was checking what's for dinner. He was talking to the offensive coordinator mid-play. Like He had time to do whatever he wanted back there. And yep. when that's the case, there's only so much that the offense could overcome. I thought that the offense actually looked okay, even though Tannehill had a rough day. It, he looked very average on Sunday. But I thought the offense looked fine. It's just the defense. They can't get any pressure. And on the occasion that they do get pressure, they can't cover. So yeah. I, I don't really know how that. I know that they're missing a Dory Jackson, number one corner. Uh, they traded for Desmond King yesterday, who yep. I guess is going to serve as our new number one corner. Yep. But I don't know how you fix it. Because last season with Dean Pease, he was drawing up the exotic blitzes, you know, the yes. zone blitz scheme. And, and it was great. But now with P's gone, you immediately see where his value was because we are not scheming up any pressure and the guys that we paid a lot of money to get pressure aren't getting it. No, you're unable to win one-on-ones against backups is the most alarming thing. The King signing tells me that I believe Tennessee's going to start blitzing more. Um, they're going to hope that their corners get healthy and they get everything going. But Clowney, it now looks like a horrible purchase. Um that game against Cincinnati really, really, really kind of sets the tone. Uh, I find it very alarming that you couldn't get anything going, and people go, oh, the Kings signing is great. It's very cheap, very cheap for, for someone. Yeah, I traded who, a six-rounder for him. You basically gave up peanuts for a pro. So it's, it's going to make the defense better. The problem is, does it make the right part of the defense better? This is something to definitely keep an eye on for me. If you can't hurry Joe Burrow, who's gotten hit more than like anyone else this year, for four starting linemen, you're in for a fucking horrible, horrible time. Um, this could be a little bit of a crash to earth. Uh, I am I am worrying about that. I have moved them into a list for me that I keep track of teams that I think are on the edge. I think there's I think Vrabel's too good. I think that the offense has too many pieces for this to be a lost cause. But when you not and not, I don't mean lost cause in a term that you go oh then they're going to lose every game. But when you lose a game to the Bengals the way you do. It is alarming. Now, it is one week in the NFL, and we did kind of see a trend across the board, right? Like, we saw multiple failures. Is there anything from this game that you think 
will be lingering? Do you think they'll fix these pass rush issues? Um, you've been kind of calling this out. How worried are you on a scale of you will make the playoffs? Is there any thought in your mind now that you can't make a deep push? That's where we were going into this week, that Tennessee was still a deep push team. Now how are we viewing them? Uh, I can't say that this changes my overall outlook too much on the team because this has been the problem with the team for three years now. Like, it's not that this is a, the lack of pressure isn't a new issue. We're, we've reached an all-time low of pressure is what the problem is. You know, with DMPs, the, the pass rush was still very average. He just was able to cook some things up enough, you know, to where we got by. Now he's not there, and we're not getting by. But I, I don't know. I guess I, as a Titans fan, I guess I have, like, battered wife syndrome. You know, like, yeah. I don't ever expect them to make yeah. a deep run. I'm just kind of happy with whatever happens. What comes in. Right, right. So I can't say that Super Bowl expectations are what are in my head regardless. But if they don't fix the pass rush, then this is going to be a, a one playoff game type of team. You know, that even if they win the division, they're going to get one home game and they're going to get bounced. Bounced. If you can't pressure the quarterback in the playoffs, you're going to get diced up every time. You can't beat a lot of the teams if you, if you can't make it. And this weekend for me, um, so once a year, there's a weekend where everything seems to fall kind of the opposite way of common sense. This is the week that the bookies just take everyone to the woodshed. Vegas has a week of weeks. Um, I, I, a lot of people have called it, I've called it Correction Sunday. Now, normally Correction Sunday comes around week four or five. We saw it this week, though, and I, I am actually thinking maybe it has to do with the fact that three to four of these games, uh, you would normally be in the preseason, so there's there's kinks and mechanics to work out, and now things are settled. Teams are coming off buys. Teams have made adjustments. They've raised their, their, they've raised their floor up, and we're going to get some of these... Uh, uh, you're going to get these corrections where, uh, you know, over-unders change, uh, points change. You just view everything a little differently and more skeptically after it because these elite teams that are winning and winning and winning all of a sudden stub their toe. And we had another one this weekend. The Green Bay Packers got blasted by the Minnesota Vikings. This is coming off a week where the Minnesota Vikings sold house on defense, sold everything. If it had a pulse, they tried to move away from it. They they cut people, they put people on IR, they traded pieces away. They come out and they 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 essentially punch Green Bay in the mouth and never let up. They end up winning the game by six, 28-22, uh, a late touchdown by uh, Green Bay kind of in garbage time. Green Bay was unable to stop Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook goes 30 attempts, 160 yards rushing, three touchdowns on the ground, through the air, two receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown, longest being 50 fucking yards. Another team. Do you worry about the Packers now? Uh, I think that the, with the Packers, I don't think that there's too much. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't hit the panic button just yet with the Packers because this is one of those divisional matchups. And you know when it's a divisional game, shit can get weird. Yep. Things get weird all the time in divisional matchups. So uh, I'm not smashing the panic button yet. Green Bay was without their best offensive player other than uh, other than Devontae Adams with Aaron Jones. I think that they need him more than maybe they think they need him. Uh, but I, I'm not too worried about Dalvin Cook going for 250 yards and four touchdowns on them. 
in, in the long haul, it's a divisional matchup. Sometimes this happens in divisional matchups. Yeah. If the, if Green Bay lost like this to the Bengals, I'd be concerned, like I am for Tennessee. Yeah. But a divisional game, I'm not mad at it. You yeah. Know, it happens. It can be weird. I'm not panicking at all either. I am a little worried about what the Packers are going to do running the ball. They play Friday, They play Thursday, and from what I heard is Aaron Jones probably isn't going to go. Uh, it looks like they lost uh, Williams and Dylan as well, so I don't know who's going to run the ball for them. They are completely void at running back position, uh, and that is a problem. You can just plug and play anyone if your line is stellar. Uh, for instance, they run the ball 16 times for 75 yards. The thing I'm worried about with, this, with the Green Bay Packers is – I don't know if they're going to be, if you can run the ball on them, and here comes San Francisco who can scheme runs very well, as well as anybody. Um, If you can't dominate the time of possession, if you can dominate that against the Packers and shut down a little bit what they want to do with the passing game, now they're showing some vulnerabilities that you you kind of have to keep an eye on. I'm not panicking yet with the Packers in any way. They're five and two. The Vikings are two and five coming off a bye, so it was a good spot for the Vikings. Uh, but I do reset how I view the Packers. They now have a few glaring holes that they need to fill. And, and Correction Sunday takes you know takes another victim. So to answer your question about Green Bay's running backs, now that Aaron Jones is out. Uh, Jamal Williams is out and AJ Dillon are all out. Yeah. I have um, Dexter Williams <laughs> will be taking some snaps for them and Tyler Irvin. Yeah. Both of which I've never heard of in my entire life. So we'll see how that goes for them. Yeah. And that's where I look at it and go, you know, I, I, I just, they play Thursday. It's against San Fran. They can kind of knock San Fran further away from the playoff bubble with a win. If they take an L here, now them in Chicago are going to play some really interesting games down the stretch because you're going to be dealing with two very flawed teams in the exact opposite way. One being that Chicago has no quarterback and no offensive flow, really no offensive rhythm whatsoever, but has a really stellar defense. And on the flip side, the Packers have a very leaky defense with a stellar offense that can't run the ball. So it would be a very, uh, if you push them together, you'd get probably the best team in the NFL. You separate them and you have two teams that can, can win or lose any Sunday. And that is the beauty of the NFL. But that really wasn't... Uh, uh, to me, that wasn't the end of the uh, the upsets. Uh, we move into Miami, the uh, my the Miami boys. Dolphins that I may needed maybe needed to push a little harder. Uh, Jared Goff goes into Miami, uh, shows everyone that he is Jared Goff. Two interceptions, two fumbles lost. They all look terrible. Punt return touchdown, um, and Miami blasts him. Tua starts, gets his first touchdown. It's exciting. Uh, first thing that comes to mind for me about this game, Tua's left-handed. It is so weird watching a left-handed quarterback play in the NFL. We don't see it. Yeah, yeah, it, it is kind of funny watching him throw the ball. It looks different. Yeah, because it, it, it in uh, actually Mike Vick did a pretty good interview on Ryan Rosillo's podcast about this, uh, and he talks about how like uh, teams, the coaches, and everything. It's it is it is mathematically very simple 
to just say there's no difference between a right and a left-handed quarterback. The field doesn't change. It's not like all of a sudden now the field turns into a hexagon. It's still a fucking rectangle. Uh, the hash markers stay exactly where they are. But it just goes to show you how uh, adverse people are to change once they're stuck in their ways. You know, coaches, well, we can't redo everything. Well, just flip it all. Literally, just flip it all. Uh, it's not that simple. Okay. I mean, maybe. <laughs> But but what if I told you that all the principles should stay the same moving from the right to the left side? And, and so seeing a left-handed quarterback, I think it's going to be very interesting for teams to prepare against because it's not like you have backups who can run the ball left-handed. Um, I, I, I am excited for what Miami can bring. To me, this is a story of I know the Rams were favored. They, they have more of the talent. They should have been able to shut Miami down. But once again, Jared Goff, in, a, in, a, in kind of a regular game, loses this game single-handedly and gets blown away by Miami. You, any chance, where are you at now, now that we see New England and Buffalo, they kind of get stuck in a piss-off up north. Um, Cam Newton fumbles the ball. Miami, a game back. They make a serious run here. I'm leaning towards this might be my favorite team in that division. They're a really well-balanced team, and uh, I, you got to give them credit for this game against the Rams because they they scored on all three phases of the game. Yep. Their special team scored, their defense scored, the offense scored. If they're going to get balanced play, I mean, obviously they can't expect the defense to score every week. They can't ex- expect to run a, a, a punt back every week. But if they're going to get solid play from all three phases like that, I think that you, you would be foolish to count them out. Uh I think that they got Jared Goff in the exact kind of game that you want to get Jared Goff in. He ends the game with 61 attempts. If you can get Jared Goff to throw the ball 61 times, you have to feel good about where the game's at for you. Yeah. They fall behind 28 to 10 at the half, and it was kind of over at that point. Like, the Rams never really got anything going. They had a decent run game going, but they had to abandon it because Miami was up 28 to 10. You can't just pound the run down 18. So this game said more to me about the Rams than it did Miami. But if Miami is going to be as well balanced as they were on Sunday, they could easily be a wild card team. Maybe we got to take them seriously in the NFC East. I don't know. Do you think that they could win the division? Uh, I think that they can win this division. Uh, the only problem is their schedule isn't exactly uh, cake, but they they do get to play. Um, they, they I believe they still get the uh, they have one loss to Buffalo. They're going to get another. They're going to get another game against Buffalo. The, their real problem for me is they're gonna they're gonna cut. Well, the last game of the season is actually against Buffalo. That is interesting. There could be something there, but they still have to play. Like coming up here, they play the Arizona Cardinals coming off a of bye. They're going to play the Chargers in Denver, which both look frisky. They get the Jets, but they, they still have Kansas City on their schedule and Vegas. So they have Kansas City, Vegas, and Buffalo. They're two games back. I don't know if they can close that gap. I really need a complete meltdown from Buffalo. But this team could sneak into the wild card. We kind of put them on that contender-pretender list. We put them pretender this year, and I believe that's where they're going to end up. But they are no longer the Miami Dolphins of yesterday where they were easy rollovers. This is a team that if you do not pay attention, will stick you in the mouth. And when you break down where they're at in the division, they have a point differential of plus 58. No one else in the division 
has a positive point differential. Buffalo is minus one. New England is minus 31. And the New York Jets have still yet to score over 100 points on the year and have a point differential of minus 144. Hold on a second, man. I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the stats as you're reading them. I did not realize that Miami's defense was doing so much better than the rest of the division. They've given up 130 points. The next closest is the Pats at 167. Like they're locking up. They are locking up. They're playing very sound fundamental football, which is what I thought would be brought. I didn't think it would necessarily translate to a playoff berth, but they're sitting at 4-3. and three. The Cleveland Browns just took a loss last week, dropping them down to 5-3. and three. They're in striking distance of that last spot if they can keep up with teams like Vegas. Uh, Denver's now in the mix, and Cleveland. They're, they're, they are now firmly entrenched, and... Uh, CBS Sports has their playoff prediction at 53%. They have crested the hill, and they are now in the flip a coin. They're more than not likely to make the playoffs. So it is interesting. I would, I'd love to be right on that. Uh, I'd love to be a, a year earlier, and I thought, um, but, but they have a 58-point differential, and I think that you know that was the the last big correction game of the week. Um, I do have an honorable mention. Uh, I don't know if anybody watched last night's Tampa Bay Giants game uh, because I know some people out there have no interest in watching NFC East teams, and I totally understand that. Uh, but the New York football Giants really kept it close to the Bucks. almost gave us our fourth big upset of the weekend. Uh, Daniel Jones is a terrible quarterback and couldn't hit his running back in the flat to end the game. But the Tampa Bay Bucks actually were almost in that same boat of getting upset. If it wasn't for, and that was, I'll tell you this, I want to, I want to break down real one quick thing in this game. Byron Leftwich, take that fucking play calling out of his fucking hands. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a worse offensive play caller in the NFL. I don't know. I, 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 it, I would struggle to find a team that's so often misfires with so many weapons their line their offensive line is not banged up their wide receivers are still out there you go oh we don't have chris godwin you still have mike evans that's better than almost anyone else has in its entirety you still have people that are solid pass rushers in cameron Brait. you have multiple running backs that can get the job done you have gronkowski as an outlet you have options the fact that this team is so, their offense always looks like it just finds points. It's never like this really methodical looking machine that we're used to with Tom Brady. It's like a run and gun backyard game sometimes. Uh, and I want to I call out one stat that really, really does it. This year, they are not in any way running play action. And it's crazy because they still run the ball more than most teams. Last night, they ran the ball, I think it was uh, 13 times, 17 times on first downs. The, only one time did they get seven or more yards. One time. But they continuously ran the ball on first down, and then to couple it, didn't run play action. So you, you did this weird fucking thing where you ran the ball for literally nothing. Leonard Fournette goes 15 attempts for 
50 yards. You did all this running, which would be to set up some form of play action, and then didn't even run play action. I, I think that because the, the Bucks have so much talent, they win these games. But in a game where Daniel Jones turns the ball over twice, and they were horrendous turnovers, and you only win because Daniel Jones can't complete a four-yard pass to the flat to hit his running back. That's the only reason you win this game. And, and you go, okay, what can we do better? If Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator of this team through the year, they will be a surprise upset in the playoffs, period. If he is calling plays, there will be a game that they're like a 10-point favorite, maybe week one or week two, and they get beat in a close game because Byron Leftwich calls the most horrible game you'll ever see. Yeah, you, you did a good job covering all of that. Um, my the, my biggest takeaway from that game last night is that if Daniel Jones could hit a deep ball, the Bucks would have got blown out. Blown out? Slayton and Sterling Shepard were open on, I want to say, at least five deep balls where they have at least maybe a foot of separation, and Daniel Jones just overthrows. Every single one was an overthrow. Overthrow. I mean, they... I, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough if you're in that receiver room because these guys are getting open. Darius Lane was it was whatever he wanted last yes. night, but he couldn't get the ball. There were a lot of issues with uh, Tampa Bay, and I believe it's because Tampa Bay was unable to get the Giants in a position where they could play situational football. They know you need to run. They know you need to pass. Playing with behind, which guess what? Here's a secret: when you play from behind in the NFL, it's tough to fucking win. It is. That's just the rules. It's tough because the other team is at base smart enough to know, well, if you're behind, you're probably not going to be throwing the ball the whole time. I mean, you're probably going to be throwing the ball the whole time. So, you know, you aver- you get 81 rushing yards yesterday. You have more attempts than the Giants, and yet you're down for the entire game. I don't understand it. Someone please Take that playbook. They will squander a year. And I know Bruce Arians wants to get Byron Leftwich a head coaching job. I get that. But he can't call plays. He has no feel for an offense. They run the ball 81 times yesterday on 22, 23, 24 attempts. That's just not going to get it done in any world. We just talked about uh, Dalvin Cook at 163 yards on 30 attempts. That gets it done. When you, have, when you need to do... As much and get half the production, you're in deep shit. You're also down the whole game. Devin Cook gets those looks because he's up. Brian Leftwich has no feel for the flow of a game, and it will continue to show up. They're going to be a tough team for me to bet on because I'm going to be staring at that the whole time. I'm going to be staring at the fact that Brian Leftwich could wake up this morning and hand me a plate of dog food. And I'm like, well, you've got Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and... um. Mike Evans, and you ran the ball 22 times in a one-score game. That's what He's going to do that two or three times this year. And you are going to want to sit there and put a bullet in your brain, and that's when you'll start seeing rumors about the team unhappy. Because when Godwin comes back and your, or your whole team is rolling, if you run the ball 24 times down, they're going to freak out. They're going to freak out. And you almost close the book on Correction Sunday by giving us what I would have thought would have been the biggest upset of the year if the Giants had beaten Tampa Bay. That would have been fucking huge. I mean, Tom Brady did his part, and he hit 28 
He threw 28 passes, and he hit everyone for multiple passes. But this whole run the ball on first down to make it second and 10 and then not run play action at any discernible point in the game, he will will eliminate them single-handedly if Bruce Arians doesn't step in and fix something. So, you know, I think that closes the book on Correction Sunday. Uh, we almost had our best upset of the year, and it's something to watch out for. Be very careful betting on the Bucks. I'm not saying the Bucks can't have a good game, but we've seen their defense looked porous, and they still had two picks, and it came down to the end. In a game that they won the turnover battle, it came down to Daniel Jones just not being a good quarterback. Just something to keep an eye on. So let's flip now to where uh, I, you know, you had your heartbreak, right? You had your Tennessee Titans lose to Cincinnati. Um, I had a very similar heartbreak that is now becoming alarming. I... Let me ask you some questions here, actually, about this matchup. We're going to Baltimore and Pittsburgh now, correct? Correct. All right, so I've spent the last couple weeks on here saying that a, a good Pittsburgh team really worries me. You know, it might not be worrisome to you because, you know, you're in the division, you guys have had your battles, so on and so forth. But to me... A good Pittsburgh team is scary. So our teams in back-to-back weeks have played the Pittsburgh Steelers, and in back-to-back weeks, the Steelers have won close ones. So are your feelings about the Steelers, you weren't too concerned with them. I won't say you weren't too concerned with them, but they didn't scare you as much as they scared me. Has your opinion changed at all on how you feel about this team? Because after no. the last few weeks, they look even more scary to me. No. Um, I'll tell you, I don't fear the Pittsburgh Steelers. I respect them. Uh, yeah, it's just what it is. I've seen this stance, and, and there are a lot of uh, – it is a weird world for me right now because I look around, there's a ton of bandwagon Raven fans that are just itching to get off the wagon. I mean, that's fine with me. But you have to understand, if I go back through the history of the Ravens, I don't have to look that far. I can look back to, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, and I look at the – you know, the, look go back to 2012 and win the Super Bowl. Okay, go, go a couple years before that. There were years where Pittsburgh beat us three times in a year. Three. And we often battled as the two best teams in the AFC, often representing in the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, one of those two teams. The other one's either Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. That's it. Okay, those four teams. That's it in the AFC. So for me, there's a familiarity to it. Um, Mike Tomlin and what was it? uh, John Harbaugh have now played the most games of any two coaches against each other. Okay. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't know that's that. It's insane. Or of like the modern era. It's insane. And it's because these two teams are competitive and good every year. When I look at this game, it, it, my biggest problem is this. Lamar Jackson, again, just couldn't hold on to the ball. Um, he only has four interceptions. He's only thrown two picks twice in his career. Both times against the goddamn Steelers. <laughs> And, and, you know, he, he started the game by throwing a pick six instantly. Then took the team, drove right down the field and scored a touchdown. And you go, honestly, there aren't many quarterbacks that are going to rally like that and recover. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that piece. Then he turns around right after the half, we're up 17-7. to We're in control. But I've seen this game, and I know how it goes. And he throws a pick to start the second quarter, the third quarter. Instantly, the, the Steelers, we break down our coverage once. Steelers score a touchdown. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, we got a game. 
Now, Lamar has one other turnover turnovers in this game, one I have no problem with whatsoever, and another one that I that I, I go, hey, that's what the defense does, okay? The Steelers' defense will get after the quarterback, and we were going in for a goal line score. We were, it was basically to go. We were, we were inside the, I think like the seven, and someone strips the ball from him. As he's going to pass, the arm's coming back. They strip it from him turnover so we don't get those points there Lamar spots him a pick six we don't get that touchdown there he spots him another seven in the third quarter and through this whole thing we're we are in the game so you spot them three turnovers essentially 21 points I don't fear the Steelers I fear the Ravens turning into the same Ravens team I've seen Lamar lead us to and now five or is this the sixth game in order of the games where Lamar has completely imploded holding on to the ball and has single-handedly gotten rid of us from the game, it is San Diego in his year one in the playoffs, Kansas City in the regular season, uh, Tennessee in the postseason, and now we are going right into Kansas City in game one this year and the next biggest game, Steelers. And, and he has to get this under control. They are careless turnovers. The He had one fumble where he was diving for the first down on a fourth and two. I don't care about that turnover, okay? He outstretches the ball. They punch it out. He was short of the line to gain. It was a turnover regardless. I don't care about that one. The other three, one you give to the defense. If he does not, this is the first time I'm going to come off my Lamar is the chosen of the future. If he cannot get these turnovers under control in a big game, I, I, I don't know what you do. At least Joe Flacco could just hold on to the ball and let us win a game where he threw the ball nine times. Like, that was an option for us against the Steelers. He eliminated us from that option. We ran the ball for 265 yards. The Steelers get after you. I, I, just, I'm, I would say this. This is the first time I'm very, very disappointed in Lamar. Let me ask you this. So you you just touched on something that sparked my brain a little bit. You say that you rush for how how many yards did the Ravens rush for? Two hundred and sixty five. Two sixty five. Okay. So as I'm watching the end of this game, at the end of the Ravens Steelers game on Sunday, uh, Lamar's driving down the field to try and win it for you guys, right? And let me ask you this, as a Ravens fan, now this is me just being an armchair quarterback you know like I, I'm not out there however given your success on the run I was kind of thinking somewhere in that drive maybe before the uh the pass over the middle to Willie Sneed I believe it was to to set you up for that last play I want to see a design draw or something for Lamar in that spot like they haven't been able to stop you on the run all day and this is by six miles your best weapon yeah like give me a design run this is what he does like i know that he wants to stick in the pocket and he wants to you know prove himself as a quarterback i understand all of that but you had the most dynamic player that you have use his legs on that last drive so that's just me that's just me watching yeah. like bro the, a design run please i agree with you here's the problem we did do a draw earlier in the game and it got blown up going into the goal Going in to score a touch, and I got blown up. So they were waiting for it. They, they, we could not move. Uh, a design draw relies on you being able to move the nose guard out of the position he's sitting in, because you need that middle of the field. If he block, if he 
bogs that up for even half a second. Pittsburgh's too fast. They'll close on you. So we actually right, did that. Give me a play-action bootlegger. Give we, me something. They, you know? they ate our line. and uh, They just ate our line up. Now, here's something that happened in the game. Ronnie Stanley, a top five left tackle in the NFL, broke his ankle. He's done for the year. The Ravens no longer had their left tackle. That happened early. That's a problem. Uh, welcome to the club. What also happened is the right guard got hurt for the Ravens. And this all happened early. We were in the game. These were not the re- Here's the troubling part. These were not the reasons we lost that game. Um, now, there was some, some other issues. I thought the game was very poorly officiated on both sides. And that was very evident. At the end of the game, the Ravens were driving to go into the end zone. Everyone's seen the play. They throw the ball into the end zone. Willie Sneed goes up for it. He gets hit by two Pittsburgh defenders. No flag. Game ends. Okay, that's fine. You don't want to call a flag on that play because it's the end of the game and it's big. That's fine. Does Willie Sneed get hit early? 150%. Not by Minka Fitzpatrick, who's trying to make a play on the ball. He gets hit low in his midsection by another Steeler. By rule, it is P.I. I do not care. We actually saw P.I. get called on a game-winning, a game-tying throw yesterday in uh, Tampa and the Giants. That's how they got an extra shot at the end zone to tie it and, or to try to get to. So we, we have seen it. If you call the game the way it's supposed to be called, you could see it. What more upset me is the refs let 12 seconds run off the clock when we had moved into uh, red zone territory because Cam Hayward of the Steelers was down and injured. And the ref should have stopped the clock, reset, put the, to- put the time back on the clock. This is well, this is 100%. There isn't a single ref. There's a single thing. This, is, this isn't a cut and dry. This isn't a judgment call. This is how it should have been. And the Ravens should have had three shots at the end zone, or at least three shots to get closer to the end zone to end that game. But all those things take into account that, no, I do not feel the Steelers. Not at all. The refs had to fuck the end of the game up. They had to beat us on a three-to-one point differential. We lost our left tackle. We lost our right tackle, our right guard. And Lamar Jackson had four turnovers. At the end of the day, all that needed to happen was Lamar have three turnovers. And we win. So I'm interested to see what this turns into. I will never fear the Steelers. I respect the Steelers. Do I think the Ravens can beat the Steelers? Every single day. Every single day. Do the Steelers think they can beat the Ravens? Every single fucking day. It's the best rivalry in the NFL for a reason. It's always competitive. It's always competitive. When we sucked, competitive. When they sucked, competitive. They haven't sucked that much. But they, they have the last couple years. It's competitive. It'll be competitive. We play on Thanksgiving, so you're all welcome. We give you a decent Thanksgiving game in the face of you having to deal with probably Washington and Dallas. Uh, Lions, Chargers. The, the Lions always get a Thanksgiving game right. for some reason. So we get, you're going to get a bunch of shit games, and then you're going to get a creme de la creme game, and you're all fucking welcome for it. So there you go. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not worried about them. I am now starting to worry about Lamar's ability to avoid turnovers. Uh, the team is frustrated. We will see how it goes coming up. But uh, I am a little um, – I'm, I'm now starting to worry about Lamar's ability to not read defenses. I've seen that. But he just makes plays where you go, you have to know you can't do that. And, and, and it's not like he's a turnover machine. But they, keep, they come up in big games because he tries to do too much. And he needs to play within himself. He's young and he can learn. I'm not panicking about him, but it's the first time I've been really, really disappointed in his play. 
Yeah, I can't blame you. I mean, like you say with Lamar, he's still young. He's going to have to take his lumps before he develops all of that, yep. all of the cerebral stuff, um, especially uh, for a player like him who maybe in college and in high school didn't have to rely on the cerebral. Yep. So uh, I think you got to give it time when it comes to Lamar. But I understand what you mean because it, Lamar looks like a superhero until the biggest games that we've seen him in. Yes. And, and we'll see what it comes up. There's only to me we play we play the Colts this week, and I don't even know how we're going to do in that game. Um, Marlon Humphrey is now out with COVID; he will not play. So we are going to be without our left tackle, our best defensive tackle, um, our right guard. It's going to be a tough game. There are also five players that haven't been named that have been quarantined from the Ravens, and apparently it's it's pretty much our entire secondary depth. So I don't know what we're going to get against the Colts. This could be a bad game for us if these players don't get cleared in time. Like I said, I don't know what we're going to get. Uh, this could be a little bump in the road for the Ravens before they right the ship. I have no fear this team will easily make the playoffs. For me, there's only one thing. I'm looking forward to two more games this year. Unfortunately, it's only two. It's the Steelers, and it's whoever we play in the playoffs. That's it. I don't care about any other game now. I'm looking at two fucking games. Pittsburgh again, and the playoffs. It's, it's no disrespect to anyone else. I know that the Titans were on my radar earlier this year. They're just not because the Titans aren't who we thought they are, and the Ravens aren't who I thought they were. So now I'm looking at two games. Who the fuck are we going to play in week one, and who the what kind of team fucking shows up by Thanksgiving because we have too many injuries right now, and we're going to need to put a little bit together. So that's where I have um, the Ravens kind of ending up. Now, Let's let's turn to a, a funner topic, something we're both going to enjoy and get a great belly laugh out of. The NFC East will field a playoff team this year, but I had a thought. Could you put a honest-to-God Super Bowl team together using the parts available? Super Bowls being played next weekend. You have the entire NFC East roster. You have all of the rosters. Can you put together a Super Bowl-winning team? And I'm going to tell you this. I think the answer is no. <laughs> I think no? It, you don't think so? I, I, and that's crazy. You can probably put something good together. But not a single team in that division has a run differential of positive. And in fact, the, the best team in that division, the Eagles, are minus 19. And the reason why I don't think they could legitimately put together a Super Bowl team, I don't think any of those teams have great secondaries. I think you could put together a really solid secondary with pieces of uh, Washington, Kendall Fuller, um, and some of the, the Giants have some young pieces. But I don't think there's anybody on Dallas besides maybe Alden Smith that you would even want on that defense. Yeah. I, I, you sent me this exercise earlier, and so I actually took it a little seriously and tried to put the roster together Go for here it. on paper. So I got the uh, the quarterback, by default, we have to take Carson Wentz, unless yep. we're saying Dak's not hurt, but he is. He is. We're playing so, next week. Right. Okay, so we got to go with Carson Wentz. Already, I don't feel good about winning this <laughs> yes, Super Bowl. Yes, yeah, I'm already worried, <laughs> you know, like, yikes. To continue, though, um, so I'm going to take the Cowboys offensive line, and I'm going to take Zeke. Uh, I am going to also take the Cowboys wide receiving room. Yes. Uh, I'm going to take Uber, Lamb, and, and Gallup. I am going I'll, to I'll, take... I'll tell you this. I'll make one adjustment. I would move uh, Gallup out and put Terry McLaurin in. That would be my only move. 
Like out of the yeah. whole division. I'm putting Terry McLaurin in. I'm taking Gallup out. And I'm going CeeDee Lamb, McLaurin, and uh, Amari Cooper. That's a fucking – that's a unit right there, though. That's a unit. Exactly. And Carson Wentz with some real weapons, maybe, you know, maybe it maybe. looks good. Maybe, right? Uh, on defense, I am obviously going to take Washington's defensive line. Yeah, that's a, that's a sexy line. The, this entire division's linebacker group is a bunch of crap, in my yes. opinion. Yeah. So I, I don't know whose whose linebacker group are you taking? I, I'm not even taking. I'd have to mix and match players. Like you could put together a really. If you took the Eagles' defensive line and the Redskins' def- or the Washington Football Team uh, defensive line, you were actually going to get an insane unit. Like you're going to have Chase Young next to Fletcher Cox, and they're going to do damage. You're going right. to be in deep shit. But that's it at the linebacking core. You're probably you can take one solid team. You you have to mix and match it. I'll like, take Jalen Smith from the Cowboys. I'll take him. Uh, maybe uh, Van Der Esch. Like <laughs> okay, if we're picking whole units, it'd have to be Dallas's linebacking core, and that's like uh and and you're I think you're kind of holding on for dear life with that core. But that's what you're you're gonna get Van Der Esch. So you're getting some experience. They're holding on for dear life in real life. I know. So, yeah. I know. And then as you get further in the secondary, I don't even know which secondary you. Who'd you take? I think I'm going to take Washington secondary. Yeah, I can't yeah. really name, you know, their their cornerback. Kendall, Kendall Fuller is, is okay the stud against the pass. Yeah, he's and maybe that's just the pass rush. I don't know. I don't really want any of the any of the corners in this division. I'll take Darius Slay. Yeah, uh, they have some players. Uh, Collins is hurt right now, but. You really you're you're gonna get a you're gonna get an A plus plus defensive line if you combine this division. You're gonna get a B minus now nah, probably like a C plus uh, linebacking core. Your secondary I don't even know who you're putting at safety across the board. All these teams hemorrhage points. Um, I I agree with you. I think you've got to go with you'd have to put pieces together. But like I said, none of these teams. Uh, Points allowed. Dallas is giving up 266. The Giants are giving up 199. Philly's giving up 205. Uh, Washington is giving up 165, which is you know the least of the group, and that's still uh, it's not horrible. It's not horrible. Um, it's not the best in the NFL, but it is a competitive group. So your defense is the Washington Football Team essentially, and I don't think that makes I don't think that make you go. That's a Super Bowl team right there. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think on offense, you actually can field a decent team. My yeah. issue with all, if I could get Dak, then I might be a little more optimistic about my created team being able to win the Super Bowl because yeah. I do think that Dak is good enough. Yes, he is. Um, I agree. With Wentz, I wouldn't feel great. But if you give Wentz Amari Cooper and, and Terry McLaurin and, and CeeDee Lamb, then maybe he can make some things work because he's making things work with Travis Fulgham right now. Yeah. So. Here's my, I guess I gotta give. I don't like Wentz, but I no. give credit where it's due. Here's the thing that I would worry about: it, it, the thing that keeps this from being an actual Super Bowl team is Carson Wentz has twelve interceptions. Twelve. You you so, you you are gonna struggle. And remember, we said okay, he's the starting quarterback. All right, and our starting running back was Zeke, who has three lost fumbles, four total. You're gonna turn the ball over fifteen times. I don't care what your defense looks like. You are going to have a rough fucking day. You are going to be in a world of hurt. I, 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 I'll I, tell you this. I do not believe you could put a Super Bowl contending team together with the entirety of what's left of the, a, of the NFC East. I, I, hard no. 
is how I view it. You do not have the quarterback. You have the skill position. I don't know if you have the running backs. You, your tight ends are kind of hodgepodge because they're all bet, beat up. Your defensive line is going to be fucking great. Your secondary is going to be meh. And your linebacking core is going to be ho-hum. And that's with a whole goddamn division put together. So in this hypothetical, I'm just going to say that our creative team or our build a team would have to beat the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Fuck no. Let's keep them, let's keep it in the NFC, and, and you know you probably good. You're going to put together a pretty good team. You push them all together, right? We're not saying that you're putting together a crap team, but we push all those teams together, and it's a Carson Wentz led team. They go up against Seattle. I think that's it's at least a coin flip. I think it's a coin flip. How do they do against Tampa Bay? How do they do against Green Bay? Can they beat Chicago? Like you you are you are combining a whole division, and I think you're going to end up with a team that isn't quite good enough to be a on paper favorite over these other teams and that's the crazy thing if you if i told you hey guess what you get to put a super bowl team together and you get the entire nfc north it's game over aaron Rodgers is my quarterback i have a billion weapons at his disposal i have a a plus offensive line i have a plus running backs because now i've got dalvin cook as the running back for aaron Rodgers. the defense is loaded with talent i just take most of chicago and a few pieces from green bay uh and some of the secondary pieces from detroit and next thing you know, I've got a team where you go, that team is a fucking juggernaut. You, same thing with the South and the West. But I will say this. Here's one little weird caveat. As I looked through this and, and kind of started going, okay, what, you know, let's see, could any, is there any other division that might just be as pathetic? What about the, the AFC East? Who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback right now? <laughs> Who is my quarterback in the AFC? It's got to be Josh Allen, right? Right? And that's the end of it. If you tell me that you're fielding a Super Bowl team and Josh Allen's the guy, I'm fucking out with all the talent around him. I'm out. I don't care. Here's the other thing. He Okay, let's combine all the skill positions in that division and give them to, to Josh Allen. So he already has most of them. No, He's, yeah, he has the best offensive weapons across the board in this division. Hell no. All right. So, all right, but who wins, the AFC East or yeah, the NFC Yeah, this is the real – this is where everything comes together. Who could field a better chance to win a Super Bowl right now, the AFC East or the NFC East? Your quarterbacks are Carson Wentz. Now, if you, we're talking about today, okay? No one is going to take Cam Newton right now. He looks terrible. And if you didn't watch that game in Buffalo, the New England Patriots were trying to score a touchdown to win that game against Buffalo, and Cam Newton fumbled the ball end of game. So, yuck. I'm not really taking Cam Newton right now. You're going to go Josh Allen with uh, Preston Williams, Stephon Diggs, and then probably John Brown. Like, no one on New England, no one on the Jets is getting the nod. Like, this, I'll, I'll take Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker? Devontae Parker? I'm, 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 Devontae Parker would be good. Now you've got weapons. Now Josh Allen's your quarterback, though. you got Goofball McGee quarterbacking for you. you, you like, I, I tell you the Super Bowl matchup is Josh Allen and, like, the Monstars versus fucking uh, uh, Carson Wentz and his Monstars. And I go, I, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to bet on uh, yeah, this it's fucking ugly, it's game. Ugly. It's ugly, ain't it? Like, I, that was the thing I came to. I go, this NFC East, and, and, and the other thing is, the NFC East, there isn't a dominant defensive line. The, I mean, the AFC East, they're going to be worse than the NFC East. You can't even put together a competent defensive line here. 
Uh, who who's the I think I would probably rusher? just take the entire Dolphins defense and then pluck a Gilmore off the the Patriots, and then that would be my defense. Your only fucking saving grace is with the AFC East is you would get Bill Belichick. That's it. Mm, that's that's a pretty big factor. But but hold Who are on. You taking in the NFC? Who's coaching the Doug NFC? Doug Peterson. East? I'm putting Doug Peterson, who's already beaten, who's already beaten Bill Belichick on that roster. That's who's getting the nod. It's going to be Doug Peterson who's beaten Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl with this Hodge and Carson Wentz versus uh, Josh Allen and the New England whatevers. This is good. Like, it would be such a funny fucking game because you'd go, we put these, and the, I don't think the Jets would get, uh, the Jets would probably get the left tack on Mekhi Becton looks really good. And uh, I, I, maybe Quinn Williams makes it. I don't even know if they have another guy who's going to make even the roster. But you're going to put these two ugly divisions together and put them. And I honestly, God, if you did that and put it together, I think that the spread would be. I think that. The, you know, pick them. <laughs> the I know. I think the NFC East would be favored by four points. Wow, you you like the NFC East that much over them? I uh, well, I, I, I think it's closer. I think that the NFC East defensive line would make the difference. You would actually get some boss hogs on that defensive line with the Fletcher Cox, Cox with uh, Chase Young. You're going to get some marquee pass rushers where no one in the AFC East has a pass rusher. No one. There isn't one. Chase Winovich is 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 the best guy, and he he's decent. So that's who's going to make it from New England. Everyone else is poo poo caca. And doesn't Buffalo have a guy? Uh, Edmonds is he any good? I I he don't think the flash every time I watch. They them. flash, but he does. They don't. I don't think they have anyone who's. Uh, and look, I can be wrong. I don't. I don't know the roster entirely in and out. I just when I look at the their <laughs> what they're capable of giving up and what they've done in games. I don't see them constantly pressuring the quarterback. I don't see uh, where they're making that up. But real quick, I will look at who is what team has the most sacks. I, I'm I'm over here hyping up Tremaine Edmonds. He has zero sacks on the year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Hughes, I think, would be their best their best rusher on the defensive line. Yeah. So sacks per game. Here we go. This is sacks per game. Pittsburgh leads with four and a half. Four four point three. The Philly Titans have to be last on this list. Philly is three and a half. So, you know, we, we already talked about that. Washington is also 3.1. So you, right away we're going, okay, these teams can get after the pass rusher, right? We know that. That means if you put those lines together, they're probably going to get about five and a half, six sacks a game. That's a fuckload game in and game out. Um, in order to find the first, NA, first AFC East team, it's Miami. Miami is on this list with 2.7, um, which, which isn't terrible. But it's it 2.7. And so they're, they're number 10. We've had uh, two people on the NFC East that have already made that list. You Buffalo is 14 with 2.4. So, so they are getting the quarterback a little bit. Dallas is 2.1. At the end of this list, number 32, um, the Titans are down here. But you are not the worst team. It is another is team. Because there is another team in your division that is a sorry sack of eggs. And Jacksonville, they, they're, they're Jackson. against the pass rusher. They're getting less pass rush than us. Jacksonville Jaguars are averaging less than a sack a game. Oh, they're not even attempting to get to the quarterback. <laughs> you guys have one. 
<laughs> one uh, sack a game. Uh, yeah, uh, is right. Uh, yeah, one. It feels like less than that. The Jets have 1.4. And here's here's what ends it. New England has 1.4. Jets have 1.4. They're 26 and 27. They offer nothing in that category. And that's why I'd give the edge. I'd give the edge to the defense and I'd give it to the NFC East. So we can make fun of the NFC East all we want. But if we combine all these fucking teams, you might find that the AFC East is more pathetic. I'm not going to lie, I did not go into this thinking that the end result would be that the AFC East is the worst, but I have to agree with you. Yeah. Because the, the offense that you can put together in the AFC East isn't even competing with the offense that you could build in the NFC East. No. So Josh Allen's under duress all game because you've put two of the top five defensive lines together to come after him. Who's playing running back for the AFC East? <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, who is playing running back? Oh, you know what it is? Miles Gaskin? I, I know what you do with this division. This is easy as shit. This is what we do. So Josh Allen's the running back. Cam Newton's okay. also the running back. We're fucking wildcatting the fuck out of you. We're going <laughs> to... We're going to... I'll be honest. If Tua wasn't the starting quarterback, it'd be Fitz running this. It would be... I would put Fitz. And I know Fitz would lose me that game, no problem. But Fitz would give me the best shot. Yeah. Right? Isn't that... I'm still stuck on who would play running back. No one. No one. Who's going to play Singletary? running back? Devin Singletary. Right. <laughs> You're in deep shit, man. <laughs> oh, my God. The AFC East is terrible. Terrible. Man. Yeah. Terrible. And it's not even like it's a few pieces. They have horrible parts. I mean, my New England and the Jets are going to tie twice this year. That's what's going to be great is when New England and the Jets go in and they go two ties because the Jets don't want to win and New England can't win. So it is going to be funny as fuck. But, you know, combined right now, the Jets are minus 144 on point differential. Their division leader, Buffalo, is minus one. They have one team over and it's fucking Miami with 58. That's a shitload, 58, by the way. So I want to I didn't get to give Miami this uh, the props earlier when we were talking about them, but they have the number one scoring defense in the league. I didn't realize it until you started going through point differentials that they've given up the least amount of points in the entire NFL. I think that we I I need to reconsider what I was talking about for the division, because if you know, if if your defense is going to be that good, you got a shot. All you need to is to be. At least Fitzpatrick. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. And you can probably push for a play. You could probably push for the division. Um, you're going to play. You just have a lot of fucking tough games. Um, but you can you can maybe hope that Buffalo. Here's Buffalo's stretch. And, and Scarlett could take a tumble here. Buffalo has Seattle next. Then Arizona. A bye. The LA Chargers. San Francisco. Pittsburgh. Denver. Then New England and Miami, man. I, you, okay, right now, the Bills lose to Seattle. The Bills lose to Arizona, six and four. The Chargers game is going to be tough for them. Anthony Lynn will find a way to. We're gonna we're gonna touch on Anthony Lynn on the way out the door, but Anthony Lynn will find a way to lose this game. San Francisco is plucky. Then you get Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's going to whip the shit out of you. Denver's plucky. New England and Miami is how you end the year. There are three games left on their schedule where I go. That, I'm going to chalk that as a win. And that's because I'm giving them half. 
They don't have a that's a win game besides New England again, maybe on Monday night, December 28th on ESPN. Besides that, they're going to get Seattle, Arizona, the Chargers, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Denver. Uh, what is that? What do they go? They could go if they went one and four through that five game stretch. That doesn't surprise you, right? No, it wouldn't surprise me. And if that actually does happen, where they go one and four in that stretch, then you could see Miami end up in first because their next five games they do have to play the Cardinals this week in Arizona. Yep. But then they get the Chargers, Broncos, Jets, and Bengals. Now, some of those games are probably going to be a little friskier than I'm suggesting right now. But if Miami is for real, if, if their defense is actually number one scoring defense in the league and this isn't just a bunch of crap because they've played the, you know, the Jags and the Jets and the Rams and, you know, if, if they're for real, then in five weeks we could be staring at the standings with Miami in number one. Yeah. That's, think- a, that's a cushy little – if they're for real, then in that Cardinals, Chargers, Broncos, Jets, Bengals stretch, they need to go three and two. I, I, at the minimum. I think they are gearing up to be the best team in that division. Uh, and and I really only need Josh Allen to just keep being Josh Allen. And, uh, it, you know, we seem a far cry away from when I was catching all this shit from people. And all of a sudden, people are real fucking quiet because Josh Allen turns out to be a dope. So... Um, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because I apologized way too early for my Gardner Minshew slander. Mm -hmm. I'm right back on it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Look, I'm telling you, you don't leave the hill because of a couple games. You double down and you slaughter all the people who step into the open. And you go, look, I didn't build this house on this hill for you to just come take it. You have to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Until you do, I'm Rambo up here. You're all going to get shot up. We are a far cry from where Josh Allen was at the beginning of the year. A far cry. We'll see what we'll see what happens. But he does not have an easy schedule coming up, and it's only going to get tougher for the kid. Um, let's. I have my last thought, and then we'll flip to you and, and and roll through here. Someone needs to take the reins away from Anthony Leonard. He's going to ruin this fucking team. This is four games in a row that the Chargers have led by sixteen or more, and the last four games they've won none of them. One sorry, they won one of them. How do you blow this lead to Denver? Who is still defending Anthony Lynn? I was very anti-Anthony Lynn going into last year. Saw nothing to the contrary. Started this year. Saw nothing to the contrary. I don't know how you can defend that guy. He cannot game plan. It is pathetic what they're doing over there. And they have weapons, and they have talent, and they should win any. They should have won all those games. Instead, they are now looking up at fucking Denver, and they're 2-5. and five. I don't get it. You know, I actually watched the the Denver game this weekend almost from start to finish, and having watched the entire game, I still can't really tell you how they lost that game. I, I I'm not sure. Drew Locke in the second half just gets hot. I don't know if uh, the defense maybe. I don't know. Uh, can yeah. you tell me? Because I, I watched the game, and I don't know how Drew Locke and the Broncos pulled that out. They had a 21-point fourth quarter. I just felt like they had the ball the entire fourth quarter. Yeah. But Slowly and surely. Anthony Lynn does what he normally does in a tight game. He gets real conservative, turns into a shell, and can't make any adjustments. So the other team makes adjustments, starts to figure things out. He makes nothing to get back in the game, and they lose the lead. And then they look at the scoreboard, and they know it. Anthony Lynn's the type of coach, um, there are players that do this. So the, it happens all the time in sports. You get tight because what you start doing is you look up at the clock and you go, man, I'm up, I'm up 14. 
but there's 15 minutes on the clock, man. How do I get that clock down? Okay, how do I get that clock to zero? You can't. You have to play the game. And that's the moment where these teams and these coaches that aren't capable of getting over that hump collapse on themselves because they go, fuck, how do I, you know, okay, well, we just got to get this game over with because the quicker the clock runs out, we're going to win. Well, you know, that 14 goes to seven in a hurry. Now you look up and you go 12 minutes left, 12 minutes left. Okay, we've only got seven point lead, 12 minutes left. Oh man, that's, a, that's not great at all. It's not great. Okay, let's, you know, let's, let, let's try to run some clock. Let's try to eat some clock. Okay, game continues. Now you're down, you're only up four. There's seven minutes left. Well, how the fuck did that happen? Well, you didn't do anything when you got time. You ran two minutes and 30 seconds off the clock, kicked it back to them. They realize they can't run the ball. They, they don't have any time. They changed their whole entire offense. You haven't. You've just sat in your same base. So now they drive down the field again. Now they score. Oh, my God. How did that happen? Okay, quick. We, we got to score. We got to score. How much time's left? 12 seconds. Where'd the time go? Well, you didn't do anything with it. And it's over and over and over and over and again with this guy. They are 2-5, and five, and their point differential is 6. Minus 6. That's crazy. You got to get him so, out of there. Uh, let me let me read you the the last few possessions for the Chargers just to further prove your point. Uh, let me see here. Let's go to the fourth quarter. All right. So they had in the fourth they had a punt. They had an interception. Then they kicked two field goals. Meanwhile, Denver goes touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. <laughs> In the fourth, so the Broncos had scored ten points going into the fourth quarter. They had scored ten. They give up twenty-one in the fourth. Twenty-one, and these are long drives. Too. Nine plays for eighty yards. Fourteen plays, eighty-one yards. They had one quick drive. They had a, a two-play, seventy-five-yard drive. Uh, but Denver marched down the field. We got nine-play drive and fourteen-play drive in the fourth quarter. You're not going to win like that. No, you're not going to win. Uh, you got to get him out of there. All right, that's it for me. What's your parting thought? I'm I'm just really excited to see this weekend's slate of games. Uh, I want to see, obviously, I want to see the Titans bounce back and show that they can actually play football this week. Um, but other than the Titans game, uh, some of the games I'm looking forward to personally, I want to see Packers 49ers. I don't care what Jimmy G looks like. I, I'm still interested in that matchup. Um I'm also very interested in Seahawks Bills this week. Uh, Seahawks, they've been the best team in the NFL, in my opinion, or the best team in the NFC. I'll give Pittsburgh the title as best in the NFL right now since they're still undefeated. But it's about a two-six win teams, and I think that that matchup might be huge. Uh, the Titans matchup is with the Bears. I'm worried about that, but you know, I, I'm sure we'll preview this week later in the week. Uh, I'm just really excited about this week. Yeah, I'm ready to move on from last week. Last week was terrible. That's the best thing about most of the NFL. You get to immediately go to another game. Uh, and we'll Ravens wrap. Colts, too. That's a good I one, know. Too. I know. I'm just worried about who's going to play. Because um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who's going to play on the Ravens. We're without our left tackle, our right guard. And it looks like the entire defense has been quarantined. So uh, if we're going to play, they're not going to get any practice reps until Saturday. We could see this game get moved into Monday. We'll see what happens. The, the NFL has kind of just been pushing everything forward. Uh, but there are some options there. Wanna think you know of, what? I do have one parting thought before yeah. we go. Or maybe a question. 
So I'm gonna I'm looking at the Saints Bucks preview for this week, and it's got me thinking. Every time, at least in the last couple of weeks, when I watch the Bucks play, I feel like as soon as Ronald Jones messes up one time, they pull him for yeah. maybe four or five drives. Yep. And I don't understand that because to me, from my perspective, he is easily the most talented rusher that they have on that roster. And I, I thought that Fournette would take his job going into the season. But the eye test says Ronald Jones is clearly the superior back. Yeah. And I don't understand why every time you, you drop a pass or something like, you know, maybe a fumble, but they'll pull him for half the game. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, it's the same kind of archaic philosophy that leads you to run the ball more than your opponent when you're down and then never run play action. Just bad coaching? It's bad coaching. Up and down. This archaic way of looking at things in such a linear fashion, as if Ronald Jones doesn't give you a better chance to win. He's got to learn not to turn it over. Okay, well, when he turns it over, get him back out there and get him reps. Don't make him cold again and then get him back out there after he's had time to think about it. What are, what are we, 1940s? Right, so he think drops about the ball last night, got. and then I don't see him again until, like, the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, Leonard Fournette's getting, like, three yards of pop. I, I just didn't understand what I was watching. Uh, but I, that's, I had to say that. It all went back into the same thing. You've got an archaic coaching staff that's not listening to any of the numbers in any discernible way. So, um, fuck them. Uh, want to tell everyone thanks for listening. Uh, remember to rate, subscribe, review. You can find Leo, pick and scroll. You can find me, pick and play 37. Uh, we're going to try to double up with pods this week, give you something as a preview show. Recap show done, preview show ahead. As always, stay safe. Stay safe out there, seriously, with the election news coming out. Stay safe. Um, remember to vote. And as always, rate, subscribe, review. Thanks for listening.